welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 207, the Primos Seminar from the 2018 NWTF Convention. And I am your host, and the guy who is on location again this week. I am at the beach once again, and this will be the last beach trip of the year. And by the time most of you listen to this episode, I will actually be back home working on some of my fall chores that I have to do before deer season starts sometime in November. So today... We are 149 days, 12 hours, 15 minutes, and 16 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. So I told you guys I've got the audio from the Primo seminar, well, one of the Primo seminars from this year's NWTF convention in Nashville. And I'm going to jump into it since I am on location this week. You're not going to hear from me a whole lot this episode. And I'm sure you're probably not too terribly upset about that. But these seminars are recorded in conference rooms, large conference rooms, most of them, that seat anywhere from two to 300 people. So there's a lot of reverb or echo in these rooms. Cameron and I try to eliminate a lot of that by sitting as close to the speaker as we can. Sometimes we can do that, sometimes we can't. The reason I'm bringing this up in this particular episode is that I know a lot of you guys listen to these episodes using your earbuds. So I've gone through and I've tried to even out the audio so that the turkey calling that you hear does not blow your eardrums out. And I've tried to amplify some of the speakers of the seminar so that you can hear them better. So this is an episode that you may not want to have your earbuds shoved all the way in your ears and the volume cranked all the way up on your phone or computer listening to it. Because some of the turkey calling in this one that you're going to hear is pretty darn loud. The other thing is... You're going to hear a little bit of shuffling sound. And when you hear that shuffling sound, the audio is going to be a little bit muted. But we record these using a small lapel mic. And if we brush up against that mic or we move while we're sitting down in the seminar, 
you get to hear that brushing sound of the fabric up against the microphone. It lasts only a few seconds here and there throughout the seminar, so it should not have much of an effect at all on what you're going to be able to take away from this seminar. Hey, I picked up two or three things during this seminar that I never knew. And so I think that you guys will pick up something as well that might help you out a little bit. Listen in. I'm going to shut up now, and I'll see you guys on the other side. If you were to cut this strike off right here, it almost sounds like a mouse squeaking. And that's the process. It's working its way to losing its, its top portion. So the fight that we started designing the one-piece striker, it's, if you think about it, it sounds like they use to break up a lot of stuff like sonic tanks and the sonic machines to clean stuff. But you're running so high frequency on these glass and friction, it's just deteriorating and glue and vibrating bloopers. So that's solved that problem. A lot of our strikes you'll see are, are from the real fine points of our two feet strikers. Those are laminated wood with two different layers in it, a lot like you can see it clear in this one. But we found that the laminated woods in it just give us a lot more rigidity. You can't break it, it's a lot more durable. And then you also get the note travels better to it. And it connects better to the top. And the rosins we use in the glue that laminate it together, what the light end calls, you have to not set the tips as much easier. So a slate does not have to be round. Brad, you want to demonstrate? This is called the drag strip, and it is a rectangular strip. Show it, hold up, show it in there. Rather than being a round surface, uh, it has a resonating body under it. It's just a little, it's just a different, you get different notes, different sounds out of it. And before we get too much into notes and sounds, why don't you know about your surface and your pot, checking that out of your. So, your striker has to be solid. Solid bond, whether it's a two-piece or a one-piece, it's got to be solid. With this slate surface, or frictionite surface, which is a ceramic surface, this is glass. This is an older call that we made <coughs> mount on the side of your leg. And I love it because I'm right-handed with my left shoulder and turkey put this on the leg. And if I want to finish the hunt with a slate, I can keep my left hand on my forearm and bring up my striker to my leg and just barely purr or pluck on that collar on my side. It's called a freak because it's a different shape like collar. But what Brad's talking about is if this bond, this glue bond, gluing the surface of the slate onto the collar, comes loose anywhere on that surface, it will begin to rattle and will be flat. So the way to check that is you take a solid striker that you know is solid. So I don't ever use a two-piece striker to do this. And I hold it up and I tap it. And I can tell by the sound that there's no rattle. So this is a good bond. If you don't have that bond, the friction that you're making to create the sound is going to be absorbed by the call, by the surface. Also, Anthony, I'm going to talk a little bit, if you would cover about your hand inspection the call and how to keep your surface clean. Yeah, and especially on the slate. Have you ever noticed you got an early morning the beauty setting the box in with high humidity, all of a sudden it turns real black and absorbable. It's no different than absorbing for your skin. The same thing oils come from your skin. One of the worst things on a slate call is, is bug spray. It has a deed in it. 
and Dean does two things. We talked about it yesterday, a little seminar we did. He'll eat a box call up, a sign to a box call your gun stock, the rubber. The, if you have chemo dip guns, they'll eat the synthetic covering off of it. But it is brutal on slate calls. A lot of people I've seen them sit there and spray it, spray it, and they'll spray the surface there. Well, that oil and slate just absorbs in it. So if you're and then it, you get in the tip of the striker. When you get in the tip of the striker, you're double messed up. It's almost impossible to get it you get it deep enough in a slate to ever sand it out enough. You can get it to work, but what'll happen is when you sand it, you build up a powder on top and that powder is making the call. As soon as you break through the powder, it slips in here. You're just about running call of duty. Brad is known for two shots. He loves to miss turkey on the first shot. Wild enough. But so because he knows this, he likes to load different bullets in his gun. So the first one may be number six. And the next one may be a number four. And the third one may be a slow. <laughs> so the bug spray, if y'all ever notice, if you use different types of bullets, different types of shells, it'll take the writing off of the shell. And then you can't tell what you got anymore. So he's going to use the same bullet. Call it brass gun. It's a new call we introduced last year. It started on it and brought it out. It's not, it's not a screamer of a call, by no means. It's a soft cut turn. Brad does a real good job of doing soft calling stuff on the slate. And a lot of people are confused. They pick it up and they want it to ring and really scream. They don't do that. It's, it's designed to work a bird real soft and easy. A lot like the old jet slates and stuff. Yeah. Run, run, run. Give us a quick enough for it, right? Now, a couple of things about sound. How many of y'all know people who are absolutely knockout on a mouth call? Bring it in. Okay. The people that you know that can do that, whether it be yourself or somebody else, they have a great ear. If you're a shooter, like me, who shot all my life, and I started out not protecting my hearing like I should have, I have shooter's ear. My left ear is 50. 50% depth. And the reason for that is, when I was shooting, shooting at squirrel, shooting at turkeys, shooting at deer, shooting skeet, nobody told me about protecting my ears. How many World War II vets have y'all ever known who were in artillery and are deaf? It's because the sound, every time you hear ringing in your ears, you have permanently damaged the nerve of your ear. You will never recover it. And the more times you do that with a leaf blower, chainsaw, a gun, a hammer hitting steel, you're losing your hearing. So if anybody, the older guys in here will appreciate your hearing a whole lot more than you young people. Because y'all's hearing the same. Slide down the gun, the shotgun, the rifle, whatever. My left ear is turned toward the muzzle. My right arm is hiding some of it and it's away from the gun barrel. This ear received the left ear on a right-handed shooter receives most of the blast, and it's gonna be the first ear to go. So when we go out to eat, my wife and I, last night at the banquet, she's sitting on my right. When she talks to me from the left, duh, I can't hear. So I caution you, protect your hearing. And if you shoot a lot, make sure that you're wearing really good hearing protection, because you cannot get it back. Me and Will and I are both pretty equal on, on here, and I do the same thing doing all the skeet. 
confusion for years since that being here. But you know, young, 23 years old, you hear everything, getting me to protect him. But now, I spend more time, we say, huh? Yeah. That's the gospel, but he goes that way and I'm that way. And we're I found out God, you know, God blessed me because I can't understand the words my wife says, but I can still hear a turkey gobble. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so back to the science. So those great math they got great ears. They hear things that some of us do not hear. Why are some musicians so good? Why can't they play by ear? Because they got a great ear. Their ear hears it. Their brain interprets it. Their nerves not damaged. So, a slate and a box are friction calls that produce the sound. So if you make the right stroke, whether you hear it or not, you're producing it. And guess what? A turkey can hear that. And that's why some people swear by turkeys and slates, I mean, by slates and by stuff, because the turkey hears the realism of what's going on. Now, and he talked about this call, Brad, Brad made a few sounds on the drag strip, the strip that you move tripod. That particular call can still call too loud. I'm gonna tell you a quick story, and I think it's on this tape I'm gonna share with y'all. No, it's not, he was on one yesterday, we all said. So, Brad and I were under the box stop in Kansas. In fact, the location of the turkey down in the unbelievable creek bottom, big, huge, monstrous trees. We got up on that turkey. We were sitting down. First off, we had to get an argument over who was going to shoot. I wasn't going to shoot. He said he wasn't going to shoot. He's like, big old gun. That's our college. He picked his gun. So, I got on that box stop, and I promise you, the people in the back of the room, could not have heard me yell. That's how soft it was. You were on that Gibson? Yeah. So. And so, Brad, sitting right here, Brad goes, I think you need to call him loud. Because <laughs> the turkey didn't answer. He's about 200 yards away. So He's a mean turkey. We've been hunting for like three days. We've been already named. He's bad. So, I made the exact same sounds, exact same volume, and at 200 yards, what did he do? Because that's what he wanted. You call too loud to turkeys, especially once you locate one calling loud, they can hear you like you wouldn't believe. Calling loud may make you shock gobble, if you will, or react. But then, if you keep calling loud, many of those older turkeys, three, four, five, six year old turkeys, they ain't used to that. I think what a hand does. That's a good example today, but two days before we called him up, we were calling, and we got in about 60 yards. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, he's a box call, he's a straight, pretty aggressive, and he was gone good, and he got there and stopped. And then the next day we hunted him, he was gone, but he wouldn't come. So we stood in there that afternoon, and that was, that was when the wheels were not all right. And he was just turned and yelled, so soft. I didn't think Turk could hear it, like I said, true, true story there. Come on, the hunt's killed me, he's all quiet, the hunt's killed me. Well, he's changing you, you mature. <laughs> so, how many of y'all know the story of Gibson Box? This, this is a replica of a call that was patented in 1897. And there, were very, there weren't that many made. And the man, Mr. Gibson, who made this call, he 
he, he, he licensed one store in St. Louis called Simmons Hardware to sell the call. Later on, he licensed another hardware store. But he had this call right. As far as everything we as box call makers, everybody in the box call making industry has benefited from what Gibson patented. He's got two sideboards, he's got a curved lid, it makes a double note. So, a lady in 1981 walked into my family's restaurant where I was still working trying to build my little call company. And she said, Will, I got something for you. I've been waiting on it for years. She was close to Miami. She handed me a paper bag with an original Gibson that her daddy, who died in 1911, had left her. It was in mint condition. I gave it to the NWTF Museum last night. And Anthony, who runs the wood department, the CNC shop, made 1,641 of these for every banquet in the United States to auction to raise money for the wild turkey. But it's a wonderful history. If anybody wants to see this replica up here, you can. This is not one of the 1,641. This is one of the prototypes that we built that I stole out of the shop. It's not supposed to be in existence, but you're welcome to come see it. But this call will gobble. We'll call off either side, and it's amazing what Gibson did. But it's all about the double note. Whether it's mouth call, yep, of course, the mouth call. Y'all listen to this yep. You're going to hear a high, and it's going to slur to a low. High to low. Now, the cadence is very important. So he's doing some purrs and clucks there, but the cadence is very important. You can make it in the wrong cadence, and it's not a turkey. So, the box call. Because the curved lid and the shape of the sideboard, high to low. And that's what you're trying to do with any turkey call. So Brad, pick up a slate for us and demonstrate that. Here it goes from it's got the high and then it breaks off into the low. And these different strikers, you get different tones and, and different endings. And Brad, if you would stand right here, and if you grab one stand in the middle, I'm going to go back of the room. The secrets to this are what Brad and nobody said about in here yet. I get people coming up there, and they try to, y'all just kind of copy whatever. Come on, one of you come down in the middle so everybody can see you up close. Yeah. So they just take the striker and put it on the surface and stop trying to make the same. You've got to marry your right hand to your left hand or your left hand to your right hand. So, see those fingers? I'm resting them. Everybody has a little bit different style. Brad, you're on the side of the cup? Yeah, I'm on the side right I now. rest mine on my fingers. Y'all see that? That gives you a lot of coordination with this striker. As well as holding the, the pot, so you don't want to hold it with your hand like that, it just deadens it. Good, I didn't mean that up. So it's like this, like and you're forming a, another sound chamber underneath the hand. Now, if you tilt the striker at the right angle and drag it to you, it's going to make a sound. When you go back, it's going to make no sound. So you never pick the striker up. You don't. You do not. You do not. You don't go and make a and pick it up. It always stays on the surface because when you go back, it doesn't make a sound. So if you don't have the angle right, if it's too straight up and down, it doesn't make a sound. You start tilting it, I'm married to my hand, or he's married to the side of the cup. Where are you, Anthony? 
marriage is out of the cup. And you stroke it at the right angle. And then kind of like making a figure eight or a J shape. On our cups, this is something Anthony didn't want to have to do, but I begged him. He got a little wooden tab here with a hole in it, and I tie a string and I laminate, I glue emery board, two different surfaces, and a green 3M pad. So I can always clean my slate up, and if I need to touch up the end of my striker because it's too polished, I can touch it up. I don't have to go digging for something else. The less movement in the turkey woods, the better. So, it's the J shape. When you go back, or figure eight. You can do so many different things. You've got to have the angle right, and you got to marry your hands. Y'all got anything else to add to that? See the holes in the bottom of my call? Look where the holes of his are, on the side. What we're using on 401 is I'm laying my fingers and my thumbs in these holes. So when I'm doing yelps or notes, it's real resonant. Now when I move up to the edge, feel the difference. Now, this is a friction officer. This is the surround. And on cuts and purrs, we use purr, but you want a real kind of pop on purrs, real dead on it. So realistically, you're getting a bunch of different hand sounds coming from covering up those holes. So this particular cup is just it's designed to use totally different than what normal cups. All right, let's talk about cutting for a minute. The cutting is potato. It's up and down, there's no rhythm to it. Uh, we've got great video of him just cutting their hearts out. And once again, you put the striker down, and how you hold the striker is important. Now, we didn't go over that because I didn't want to jam everything in one time for you, but I want Brad to hold his striker up and show how he's holding his. I'm holding mine right here on this, this part, this knuckle right here. Against the hard part of the middle finger knuckle. Right there, and then against the knuckle on the inside of my thumb, and then right here on my index finger. Did everybody see that? Okay. And I'm pressing the like, you know, Are you touching your, you touch your index finger back to the striker when you cut? Yes. Yeah. Yep, no. Yep, same, oh. way, same way every time. Okay. So, I like to put my index finger on my collar when I cut because I can pop it better. Brad is not. Once again, you, you with that all up there, there you got them same way. And a lot of what we're doing too when he's explaining, we'll explain that is you want the weight of your striker on the top to roll it. And that's the key to why you're holding it where you're holding it. A lot of people see it hold up too high. You can't get your striker to work for you. you get, the striker's got to roll forward and pop. Okay, so for cutting, I'm going to put the striker down and I'm going to pop the striker toward me. And, and I take it back immediately. Everybody can see that? Everybody see Anthony and, and Brad up here? And nothing going back there. It's hand coordination, so you want to practice that 
and get you get to where you're comfortable making those kind of sounds. Now cackling, cackling is great. Uh, I love to cackle, and it's all about hand coordination. Once again, uh, you're you're trying to take the striker and you go into yell. How many of y'all been watching Will call turkeys for years and years? Because the truth is coming out. He likes to cackle. You heard him get all that. But there's a time when you don't do that. <laughs> if you got a bunch of dumb two-year-olds, <laughs> that's when you don't do something. It's fun to get a couple of everything you do. Y'all got anything else about Why don't you go over first? Once again, try hang angle the striker, holding the striker, not don't choke it up too much, don't choke it too low. Step up here and let them. On purring, it'll help you if you're just starting out. If you got to have a purr on the cup, find you a gritty surface. In other words, glass is not sometimes the easiest, and it's not heated up. Frictionite's probably one of the easiest to purr on, I would think. Um, slate does really good if you got it roughed up. But if it's slick, it's going to slip on you. But you're wanting to put just enough pressure to drag it. And there's there's purrs, you know, you got the fighting purr, or you just got just a, a, just a pump of purr that you're just going to sit there a lot of. A lot of times I, I, I can't make myself stop calling, so that's what I'll do sometimes. You know, 3,000 calls me, that's part of it. But I'll sit there a lot of times and just and do just light little purrs like that, and you just build a custom to do those light purrs. You do the light purrs? Huh? Do you do the light purrs? <laughs> <laughs> you know, now, now that's called aggravated purring, and that's two gobblers that are getting ready to fight. They're fighting, they're going around each other, and if you got a wing, I carry a wing with me, and I'll do that. Brad will do it, and I'll take up my wing and pop, 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 like a turkey's hitting their wings on each other. And sometimes that's what brings me. You know, as we talk about all these calls, the most important to me, we, I mean, think about these guys here calling at this place. They are the best of the best, and I love listening to them because they're great to listen to. They're great in the woods, but you don't have to be a great caller to call up turkeys every day. It's all about the technique, the sounds, and the cadence is a big thing to me, how you sound. What's, what's the name of this call that he has? Yeah. Insanity. Insanity? Insanity. Insanity. This is a jackpot. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that call there has a great sound to it. Yes, sir. Unbelievable. You also got a pretty, pretty good call. Right. right. It's so unbelievable how good it is. They all like you know, it took him one thing when we were talking about it. He only just, I wish he fished up a little more. I'm the worst, I ain't gonna lie. I, I love to call, I call way too much sometimes. I have to make myself quit. But calling too loud is really probably the worst thing I see people do on a slate call. It's just, it'd be no different if I come in this room and started yelling at y'all, nobody'd be comfortable, everybody wanna get up and run. Well, you know, South Mississippi, you don't call loud, you, you'll never kill a bird. Um, I see Scott McDonald in the back, back there, he can verify that 100%. You know, we have one of the toughest place to call, so you learn tricks of the trade to not spook a bird. And part of what you know, Brad and we're talking about just trying to be really soft and easy. Ease into it and find out what he likes before you go screaming at him and just see, like we always talk about calling so quiet. Amazing how far they can hear. So on a call, start out with a really soft, soft fur before you get aggravated birds and those types of things. This, this drag strip is extremely forgiving. Uh, and it's soft, so it's not as hard to use as a round surface. Call. Most of y'all may not be able to hear that. Starting to hear that. Turn on the wind, two hundred dollars. And that—it's a closer call for me. I use it a lot. 
you can close up the forks on the end and kill some of the volume out of it. It's got, it almost has a little bit of a dead sound a lot of times. People think it's a dead sound. A lot, I see people at shows, they'll pick a call up like this. It's crowded. There's a lot of noise in a show. They'll call it and they'll set it back down. And the reason why it don't ring, you just don't blow their eardrums out. But I, I've just learned that as I've gotten older and I don't want to be smarter, but I've just learned that. Okay, that is all that I have for you guys for the free portion of this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. If you would like to hear the rest of this week's episode, then you will need to become a subscriber to the premium content of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. And in order to do that, it's pretty easy. All you need to do is text the word Turkey Hunter to the number 44222. Make it one word with no spaces turkey hunter once you send that text i will send you instructions on what your next steps are and eventually you're going to get a link from me that you can click on and create a username and password in the podbean application and pay the 18 dollars per year annual subscription charge to become a subscriber to the premium content the process is easy the cost is minimal and the information that you will gain from being a premium content subscriber is priceless. Hey, before I cut you guys loose for the week, if you would please forward and like the post for this week's episode on Facebook and Twitter, I would greatly appreciate it. And with that said, that's all that I've got for you guys this week. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week. And I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.